Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode 20 of the Corporate Global Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hawes. And I'm your host, William Spicer. Hey, everyone. Today, we have a special guest joining us. It is Kyle Tucker, beat writer following the Kentucky Wildcats and your Tennessee Titans uh, at The Athletic. Kyle, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on. We're so excited. It, we were talking before. It's it's so odd. We've interviewed mostly our friends, as you can imagine, for this podcast. So to interview someone who is like, oh, he has a real like potential new knowledge and is really doing this for a living is <laughs> quite like a it's a different way to think about questions, but also it's very uh, very fun and exciting for us. Yeah. Well, let's do it. But, all right. All right, Spicer, you want to lead us off here? Yeah. So. One of the first things I wanted to ask is, I've, I've thought about this a lot with sports journalism, like for this whole year, is like, what is like a normal day like now, especially compared to what you were maybe doing before? Um, and I know that you just moved, so I'm sure that covering two teams and being distant from one of the teams you cover now has changed pretty significantly your like day-to-day process. I mean, every day is kind of like the same now. It's, it's weird. Uh, in fact, it, it's been the in some ways the easiest thing ever I, I would have never have thought it would it would um be almost without challenge to move away from lexington and keep covering kentucky except that people that live in lexington have zero advantage you know we haven't done a face-to-face interview with anybody since this all since the world stopped turning you know in march um you know none of the coaches none of the players in any sport have you know conducted an interview with us live in person um every interview has been whether it be kentucky really any sport i mean everywhere uh with the exception of like if you went into the the super tier at the nba bubble where it cost like i think 30 or forty thousand dollars to go stay on the disney property they they tested you every day as a reporter and I think with the exception of that, pretty much, um, where, you know, you were still like masked and 10 feet away from people, they did a handful, though that handful of reporters that were in that bubble did some face-to-face socially distanced interviews. Other than that, like everything in sports has been on Zoom, like everything in the world. I mean, everybody's work meetings on Zoom. All my interviews are on Zoom or phone calls. Um so I guess the, that's a long-winded way of saying like every day is the same and they, they all include me not getting out of my pajamas. <laughs> uh, except for, you know, I have the only thing that's, that's deviated from that is like I, I've gone to all of Kentucky's home games so far in basketball. I went to a couple in football. Um, I have gone uh, to all the Titans home games where we, are, we wear masks throughout. You're not allowed to take the mask off at all. Uh, at, at any of those venues and uh, in the Titans press boxes uh, we were separated by plexiglass partitions I think that was true at uh, Kentucky football games as well and it's not true at Rupp Arena but we're more kind of spaced out there um, so yeah I mean very little in person I mean I've watched games in person but I, the thing that's really been odd about this whole last eight or nine months is not inter- not speaking to anyone in person. Uh, yeah. It makes it tough for sure. Yeah. I can imagine that. I'm curious how you'll answer this question because you probably won't be able to answer it in what will be the, the long-term answer until maybe next season. But uh, 
in addition to all this COVID stuff, what's been, what has it been like adding on the Titans as a professional team uh, since you've been following Kentucky for a long time and Virginia Tech before that, uh, switching over to the you know, non-NCAA stuff? Yeah, it would be, and you're right, I probably won't really be able to tell you till next year. Uh, I do have a sense for the NFL. I covered some of the NFL. I actually covered some Titan stuff when I was much younger, when they first mm-hmm. came to Nashville while I was in college. Um, and what is the great advantage of covering the NFL and most of the pro leagues, the NBA is a lot like this, which is why I laugh sometimes when, when Kentucky talks about like their whole experience just totally prepares guys for the NBA. It doesn't. <laughs> the, the, other, the, the other night when they were uh, nobody wanted to talk after the game so Keon Brooks yeah. came out that doesn't that, that, that's not an option in the NBA you talk after every win and every loss every player does it's part of your contractual obligation Kyrie Irving made it caused a big stink last week because he said he's not going to talk and he's going to take the fine and the le- the team's going to take the fine that's what's that's so that's fine he can do that he's going to get fined into oblivion hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. it's part of the agreement because you're helping to promote the league by putting uh, content out there. So anyway, uh, the, one of the real struggles of this year with that is, like in a normal NFL year, uh, I would go to practice every day, which you can still go to practice for portions of it and stand far, far back wearing your mask. Uh, but after practice every day, the, the locker room would open. And you just go talk to whoever you want. And then after every game in the NFL, the locker room opens, and you go talk to whoever you want, every player on the team is available uh and so what that allows for as opposed to like at kentucky say a kentucky basketball game even in a non-covid year even um you'd have three players that they select um uh, at these chairs after the game and Mm -hmm. and there's 100 reporters or whatever there 80 people uh and so there's you know 10 to 20 people crowded around every all three of those guys for 10 minutes and that's it that's the post game and one that's that doesn't that's and does not create an environment for like a conversation, uh, you know, me to have a, an extended conversation with any of those players. Two, I think it puts them more on guard because there's just this you know crowd and cameras in their face. Uh, and three, it's just a short period of time, and it's you know the guy who made the key pass or the key mistake or the key whatever might not have scored the most points, so he might not even be sitting out there to have a to talk to him. Uh, if you're covering the, the, the pros, um, there are opportunities to kind of just avoid the crowd. Okay, I see everybody talking to this guy. I'm going to go talk to this one player who's by himself for 30 minutes in the locker room. And he might trust me over time, and he might give me his number, and we can talk. You, know, you can't do that um, covering college athletics. And I can't do it this year because it's this weird COVID year, so there are no open locker rooms. All the interviews after games and after practices – are zooms and it's every reporter that covers the titans is on there so anything i ask (laughs) and any answer that is elicited Uh, every person who covers the team has it so there's no exclusive material there's no and i can't sit there and have a side conversation i can't be like hey you want to give me your number like 30 other you know reporters on the zoom so that's a that's kind of a that would have been the advantage to going to cover the NFL is that like you can you can tell some stories that have a lot more depth and you mm-hmm. get some more information um, as a reporter than you would ever even in normal year covering colleges uh, and then that's even exacerbated more covering Kentucky because now it's even less the one thing I the one advantage I had moving to a place like the Athletic where it's not just kind of a, a grind. Um, 
Sorry about the train. It's, uh, it's practically on top of our house where I live. So. I was going to say, did that just come through your living room? Like, real estate is expensive in Nashville. Look, you got to make some sacrifices somewhere. So uh, That is awesome. Um, but, you know, like even, even covering Kentucky in a normal year, like last year, the last couple of years, this is my third season covering them for the athletic. I'm not like asked to churn out a story like the second the game ends and three stories by an hour later. I can take my time. So I would wait people out. I would wait the crowd out and at least try to slip in a couple uh, of questions with a player after everybody was gone or, you know, at pre-game interviews, I'd wait the crowd out and get one or two questions in. And maybe over the course of a week or two, I could build up a, a little cachet of extra information, uh, which again, it's not possible now. Every, now it's all of us on a Zoom, it's, you know, 30 people staring at each other in, in their living rooms, uh, you know, all getting the same stuff. So it's a, it's just, it's weird. It's a weird year. Yeah. That- yeah. I, I would imagine with the way you, I was going to say the way you write stuff, you know, I, I've seen this with you getting access to a lot of the parents at Kentucky, like Nate Sestina, you know, Emmanuel Quickly's family, those types of things that, uh, in normal circumstances, getting to get access to any player in the locker room at the Titans would be huge because you could tell a story that you found fascinating that may be, you know, off to the side or, or unnoticed in a normal, uh, you know, by normal people covering sports. So uh, hopefully next year things will be back to normal so you can get back to doing that. Yeah, yeah, it's something I've really missed for sure. Yeah, and that was like sort of like you already sort of answered my question about it, but my question was more it's interesting because you I didn't realize that all of the Zooms were like, all of the journalists on one call so there's almost no exclusive even exclusive access to any players because i was wondering with covid if like when you're writing articles you even get to see real players now because of like the limited access to them and how difficult it is even in normal times to see them like yeah. kind of get to like the, the heart because that's that was one of the things is if i'm being honest also you can tell the athletic that i renewed my subscription so i could read through more of your articles after hunter said you were coming on <laughs> good so good. so this was at least worth one athletic subscription excellent uh, well that's great to hear <laughs> yeah um, but no, it, it, it is a it's a challenge even in a normal year um you know, and, and again, especially in college athletics, because they're you know they're young guys, and and I think to some extent, sort of rightfully so, the the gatekeepers are all trying to protect them, um, you know, and it's all meant to be structured, and there's always somebody sort of listening, um, they're coached, and all those sort of things. I've tried to you know for here and there, Kentucky will will you know say okay, we'll give you this guy for a one on one. Football's even better about it. like like I sat down with Lynn Bowden for i don't know a long time an hour maybe um to write a profile of him last year and no, everybody left the room it was just me and him in a conference room for an hour um and so we were able to just sort of slowly work through a conver- a normal person's conversation to right. the point that he felt comfortable with me and i could ask him some like difficult questions like okay so now we can can we get to the elephant in the room like you're covered in tattoos they're all over your face you you grew up right right there in Ohio State didn't want you in their backyard, like it's obvious that there were like whispers about your you as a person. He's like and he's just kind of like yeah. I mean I was like basically in a gang. <laughs> I mean that like that never happens. And he's mm-hmm. you know and then he starts to spill his sort of like his life like this is who I was like this is the road I was going down. Um, this is why. These are the things I saw. Uh, these are the, you know, these are the experiences in my life that shaped that. And here are the people at Kentucky who kind of saved me. Um, and so, you know, 
you're not going to get a, a deep one-on-one interview with every player every week, but I try to pick my spots and really find guys that I think are worth that kind of story and, and then just, you know, give it time for them to the schedule to come open where, Hey, I can maybe sit down with this guy or, you know, in the preseason this year, uh, I picked three guys that I felt like were meaningful to write about Keon Brooks and, um, Isaiah Jackson, uh, and BJ Boston and, and worked through times where I could get on zooms, one-on-one zooms with them. So it wasn't, mm. it wasn't group interviews. It was just me and them and, or, or phone calls. Um, and try to get to know them a little bit, but it's hard. It is really hard as in all, I think in sports in general, you could spend a day with a whole day with somebody. Uh, and if they want to just show you who their like publicist wants them to show you, that's all you're going to see. <laughs> uh, and you may not, you may not ever get below the surface. Um, and if you, if, if like the best case scenario covering college sports or covering Kentucky basketball, for instance, if the best case scenario is I get one hour sort of solo with a player I'll go deeper than most people are going to get, but I mean, how deep am I really going to get in, in, in talking to somebody that has never sat down with me before, you know, for an hour. So, yeah, right. yeah that is interesting that that's one of the, the pieces or the holes in the armor of, of the Kentucky experience, not readying players. I know a lot of guys like you are, you know, look forward to the sec tournament every year to, I think it's sec or NCAA tournament, whichever oh, one where it actually gets room. open up. Yeah. Um, to actually get to those guys um well well i would personally love to talk kentucky the whole time uh <laughs> most of our audience is uh in nashville they are titans fans so we do want to uh ask some titans questions uh before i i will definitely sneak in a couple uk at the end here but um i'm a colts fan i think i told you an in initial message i'm the only one really associated with uh the podcast that's not a titans fan um so i'm enjoying kind of the defensive issues that the titans are having right now um and i'm we're just curious spicer and i both kind of had a question uh looking at a dory jackson coming back uh and then kind of it, is that enough or what is there anything that the titans can do right now like this season before the offseason to fix up this defense some yeah, that's, that's the million dollar question. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how much we can judge about the value of Adoree Jackson coming back based on this one game because, you know, he was off for a long time. Um, and he was, they were kind of, it was kind of weird the way they were substituting him in and out in that first game Sunday. At first, he was just in, in as a nickel, uh, you know, and then he would, he, he was in um, as, a, as a true, you know, outside corner. And then it was like, they had a drive where he didn't come in until I think they were in the red zone. Uh, so he was kind of in and out. You know, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't make any like glaring mistakes that I saw, but you know, he wasn't deeply impactful either. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if you can draw a lot of conclusions yet, other than it's good that he's out there with, with now with one game under his belt, now with two more to maybe shake off some rust before the playoffs, assuming they officially get in the playoffs, which is not a done deal yet. Um, incredibly, they had they finally break their streak of, of nine and seven seasons. They have their first ten win season since two thousand eight, and it's not even a gar- a total guarantee they'll get in. Um, but I, I'm assuming they will, and and if they do, um, and he's got three games to get sort of comfortable again. I like you know Malcolm Butler's had a great year, and so I mm-hmm. think if you have two really good corners. That does help a lot because you're 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 simply not going to get a pass rush. It seems like I mean they're dead last in in sacks in the league. They have 14 sacks in 14 games, which is horrendous. Oof. 
after spending twenty million dollars in the offseason on pass rushers who are no longer with them, or or one is no longer with them and one is injured uh, and out for the year, um, I you know there's not some like difference maker out there on the waiver wire that you know trade deadline has passed. Um, the only trade they made was to go get a, a corner, another defensive back, which I think has helped them, by the way, uh, King. But I, I just think they are what they are. I, I think well, essentially right now they have to hope a Dory kind of like shakes off the rust and becomes, you know, you know, CB one <laughs> or one A one B with with uh, Malcolm Butler, and they've got two guys on the outside who can can lock down. And that that somewhat negates the the total lack of a pass rush, and then I th- but I think ultimately they win or lose if the offense on the offense, you know, can they score thirty plus every game from here on out? Mm-hmm. And that seems like a tall order, except they just they do it all the time, um, and it, it really is a feat that they have an atrocious defense. I mean, just top to bottom, a horrifically bad defense that ranks last in sacks that ranks by a mile last in third down they're, they're it's it's mind-boggling to watch them fail on third down and like the worst thing that can happen to them is third and long you get if they get a team in third and long it's getting converted you know third and 13 they'll give up an 18 yard you know pass wide open over the middle of the tight end so um i think it's just remarkable that they're they're sitting at 10 and 4 with with maybe the worst defense in the league, all things considered, because mm. they have also maybe the best offense in the league. Yeah, and I guess too, because I, I thought a lot about with the Kansas City Chiefs, I guess two seasons ago when their defense was also like their big question mark, I think, with the season before they went to the Super Bowl. Um, that's like, but the Titan, but the difference is the Titans with Derrick Henry are just able to like chew up clock as their like offense like their offense churning is not necessarily like explosive until the last two minutes it doesn't seem like and then they can really get explosive but derrick henry sort of is our 12th defenseman for us right now it seems like and i don't know if that is true but it certainly does feel like it like every time you give him the ball it's like one minute off the clock that your defense isn't out there yeah no i think there's that to me is the reason uh, I mean, also football is just more offensive than it ever was. I mean, especially like in college football, especially now, like defense isn't a thing. Uh, Nick Saban has given up, essentially yeah. given up. I mean, he's just said, okay, well, like good defense is not going to be good offense anymore in college football. I mean, Alabama is going to win the national title, I would assume, uh, and, and is steamrolling through these seasons, winning games like, you know, 52 to 38. You know, fifty-two to forty-two. You know, giving up five hundred. Alabama. You know, like Nick Saban, one of the great defensive minds in football. Who's you know, and his defenses are loaded with future NFL players, uh, and they can't they can't stop these offenses. And and the NFL is not quite that way. But look at the best teams. I mean, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the NFC, and and Pat Mahomes and the uh, the Chiefs in the AFC, and offense wins. And so. That's why I would say Tennessee's got a chance because they're really balanced. As you you mentioned, Derrick Henry, it's like I think I think Ryan Tannehill's like criminally underrated at this point because of Derrick Henry. I think he's really good, and and my big argument for him, the thing I've kind of settled on as people debate that, you know, well he's the the beneficiary of the play action and them respecting that he is he's all of that. But look at two minute. You mentioned that. 
Look at the two-minute offense where you take Derrick Henry completely out of the equation all year long, end of halves, end of games, when they have to have points. He, Ryan Tannehill just very calmly, very coolly leads them down the field. Two weeks ago, nine seconds. They went 30 yards in nine seconds and, and got a field goal. Uh, three, he got off three passes in nine seconds. How do you even do that? Uh, you know, this week it was 62 seconds. They went 60 yards and got a field goal. I mean, they've done that all year long, and that's all Ryan Tannehill. He's standing there when, when, with, you know, his, his offensive line's down to the third string left tackle. He's, he's taking some real shots. He's, yeah. And he stands in and takes it to the chin and throws, you know, lasers down the field. Uh, I think he is a really good quarterback. Uh, I think they've got maybe the best play caller in the league in Arthur Smith because he's just got like a total sense for balance, like when when to when to ride Derrick Henry and when to you know use that and, and throw the ball down the field. Um, they've they've got two thousand yard receivers. I mean, both those guys, AJ Brown and Corey Davis, are within you know a, a decent game of a thousand yards. Derrick Henry has a chance to be a two thousand yard running back. And Ryan Tannehill's got a chance to be a 4,000-yard quarterback. Um, the balance there, I'm not sure anybody – I think other teams have like, you know, one – like Pat Mahomes is clearly the best quarterback in the league if it's not Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Tyreek Hill. And, there, you know, there are some like wide, re- wide receiver ones out there that you'd ra- maybe rather have than either one of the guys the Titans have. But the total – balance like across the board uh, of options we haven't even mentioned John U. Smith and Ferkser who are just totally reliable one's a freak athlete and one's a just Mr. Reliability you know chain mover um, the, the, the amount of weapons across the board and the amount of ways they can move the football I think are better than anybody that anything is anybody else in the league has got right now yeah I think the the point you made about Tannehill in the two-minute drill is what sold me as a person that wanted the Titans to be bad, wanted Tannehill to, to like all of last year to be, you know, a facade and, and to just not be repeatable. Uh, and but once I saw him, I, I can't remember which game it was, but there was one game in particular this year. There was a two-minute drive, and he even like had a couple of runs that were just amazing plays. Like very clearly showed his athleticism. Uh, he's made the, the throws when he needed to, and that kind of you talking about him not having Henry in any of that uh, and proving that he can do it on his own. That is what kind of made me have to respect him. Uh, You know, I think having that uh, guy like Humphreys uh, in the slot uh, was crucial. And so I don't know without him is, do you see that being a potential hazard going forward? Well, I think they're going to, they think they're going to get him back. I I believe at least by the playoffs. Uh, Although at this point I worry about his brain. I mean, he's, you know, I mean, genuinely nasty. worry about his brain. He's had some he, – he, the, the, the hit that put him out is just really nasty. Um, but, you know, they've compensated for that. That's the crazy thing. Like, they've put in – like, they've plugged in these guys like nobody's ever heard of, Cam Batson, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, Cleef Raymond at times, uh, the kid from Indiana, the rookie, undrafted rookie from Indiana, Westbrook. I don't even know how you say it. Akini. Oh yeah, the uh, special teams hero this week. Yeah. yeah oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. He, he played. He did play great on special teams. Um, you know, it was the game. Gosh, what was the game where they're they're coming off of the COVID outbreak? Uh, and they only. It was like they only had AJ Brown, who was coming back off an injury. He was his first game from an injury. They didn't have Corey Davis. They didn't have Adam Humphreys. So it was it was AJ Brown. 
Westbrook, uh, Khalif Raymond, and Cam Batson. And, like, they all made a big catch in that game. They all made a big play. Um, and so, to me, that's like a, that's a Tannehill thing, you know, and that's also an Arthur Smith thing that, that you know, come what may, whoever you give me, I'll get him the ball and, and uh, give it to him catchable. Um, so, yeah. you know, I, I don't think, I mean, they'd love to have Humphreys back. I think if they get Humphreys back, it's almost not even fair <laughs> at this point. You know, in, in some ways they've kind of used like Ferkser as the, as yeah. the jumbo sized version of uh, Adam yeah. Humphreys. Like he's the guy who will run to the sticks and turn around and make the catch no matter, no matter what. Yeah. Um, you know, and you add Humphreys in and that, that to me just, it, they are in a position where they can, uh, score and move the ball. They can, they can score quick, like the 75 touchdown yard touchdown pass the other day, or they can, or in the two minute and they can just grind it out with Derrick Henry if they need to burn clock because the defense is so terrible. Um, so they're in position where they can, and they're absolutely in position where they must, uh, just keep the pedal down offensively. Yeah, uh, I hope it doesn't work out because I'd love for the Colts to win the division and uh, the Titans to lose. But um, thanks for for talking on that. I uh, would be very sad if I didn't get to ask you these couple uh, UK questions as we wrap up here. Um, so I'm a huge Kentucky fan, born and raised in Western Kentucky. Uh, my, you know, all my family, extended family, crazy Kentucky fans. Uh, my granddad actually, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago and he was buried with his, I hate Christian Leitner t-shirt, oh, um, that's fantastic. which is just like the most, like, you know, I feel like a lot of people down here don't get it, uh, at least not outside of Knoxville, maybe with, with the football. But, um, so I have a lot of passion here and it's crazy that, you know, I, I this is the time I talked to you, right? Like of all the times, this is when <laughs> I talk to you. terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, like what, what are the odds? But so my first question of two is what's going on with Cameron Fletcher and did he, I, I, yeah, that's the question. Like what's going on? Well, I mean, it's not just a, it's not just a Cam Fletcher thing. I mean, they're, they, what we saw, I think in the North Carolina game was a team that is like in meltdown mode. Um, you know, I think, I think one of the concerns about Cam coming in was that he might be Khalil Whitney, you know, all over again. Hmm. Uh, a guy who they would love to have be a really athletic, really tough, um, really imposing 6'6 wing defender who just, you know, locks guys up and grabs rebounds and is like the gritty guy that you need. You know, DeAndre Liggins. Uh, and... Khalil never bought that role. Like he wanted to be, but at least, you know, Khalil was a top 20 recruit in McDonald's all American. So in some ways I at least understand that. And they had to know that he was going to think that way. Um, but he never could say, see himself as like, I'll be the, I'll be the energy guy. No, I got to be the star of the show. So he would take these terrible shots and make, miss them all. And you know, what 15 games in the season, he was gone and right. didn't get drafted. Um, and I think there was some worry that Cam would be that like all over again. And I think that has kind of borne itself out. Um, clearly, I think there had been some frustration with him behind the scenes. And Cal said on his radio show last night, kind of elaborating, like it wasn't just the, the fit he threw hmm. on the sideline at North Carolina. It was like the culmination of things and, it, and it's time for him to change. Um, I mean, I think there was just some attitude problem there. It was some, some selfishness. And I think the worst thing for Kentucky, and one of the reasons he got sent away, is it was beginning to poison the well. You know, it was spreading. Mm -hmm. 
20 uh, green type. Of yeah. Situation. Right. And, and you, uh, you know, you've got a couple guys. So I think you can, you can look at them, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark, top 10 recruits. You know, you got, you got BJ Boston telling the world he wants to be the best player ever to play the game right now. He's not like the best, like the best player, you know, <laughs> on, on any given night on his own team. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Terrence Clark is, uh, I think, trying, <laughs> you know, and he's been he's been put into a role where Cal said, oh, well, Devin Askew's not ready. I'll make you the point guard when he's not really the point guard. Um, and so, I, I, you know, you have to wonder if there's some attitude adjustment needed there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Because I can sort of read the tea leaves on some other guys. Like, like I can tell you that Lance Ware – just by watching the game. I can tell you Lance Ware's got the right attitude. Yeah. I mean, he came in there and gave them incredible energy and effort. I know that John Calipari's not mad at that guy. Um, look at how Devin Askew handled being demoted and moved off the ball. Like he's mm-hmm. played better than ever in that role and given more energy than ever in that role. I think Cal's got to be thrilled with the response from Devin Askew. You know, I, I talked to P, PJ Washington's dad called me the other night. I have a great relationship with him, and he just called me out of the blue after the North Carolina game, or maybe it was the day after, uh, and said whatever curse I'd put on his Wildcats to take it off. Um, <laughs> but he said he had actually talked to Devin Askew's dad you mm. know, about, about the struggle and about getting demoted and that they had exactly the right attitude about it. Like, you know, look, you, you, you could be in high school right now. You've, you've enrolled early. This is a bonus year for you. Like, even if Kentucky fans are disappointed because they wanted you to be more than you're ready to be, like you're not behind schedule. You're, right. you're even even with the struggle, you're ahead of schedule. You're at Kentucky playing yeah, basketball, not in high school. When, when you could be in high school, you're ahead of the schedule, not behind. And I think he's had that attitude. And so, like I look at Cam, uh, I look at Lance Ware, I look at Devin Askew, I look at like Obi, uh, Obi, uh, Jacob Toppin, <laughs> um, who's given them some moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I look at some guys like that and think like those guys have the right attitude. We know Keon Brooks does. He's not even playing, but he's the guy who stood up and said, I'll talk when you other crybabies will not come right. and go talk. Uh, I think, uh, I think Devin Mintz, uh, Davion Mintz, sorry, is, is made of the right stuff as well. And, and I think it's been a bright spot for them at times. Not perfect, no. uh, but he's given them, I think his best. Um, and so like, where else is there to look? knowing that there's some other, you know, potential problems, then those two guys who are supposed to be their stars, who have played a little bit selfishly at times, who keep jacking these shots, even though they don't make them. Uh, I mean, it's, it's stunning to me that your two starting wings who are projected lottery picks are like five of 30 from three, mm. uh, you know, this season. Embarrassing. It is. Um, so, I just think you've got a, you've got some young guys who are Cal says you know some t- sometimes guys are delusional. I think delusional is the word. Um, who are going to have to come to grips with reality? Like they're not as good as they thought. They can't mm-hmm. do it on their own, um, and they are going to have to play together. And the way that that Cal is trying to make them play, or I, I mean, I think he'll send them home. I, I think he'll send the other guys home too. I, I don't think it matters right now to him who you are or what your ranking was or how much egg will be on his face. If it's, if those guys are bus, mm. um, we're, we're pretty close to this being a lost season for Kentucky. Yeah. I mean, it may already be lost because it, when you're one in five in a season where you might only play 25 games and you may pay less than that. I mean, and you're going to play in the sec. 
let's say you go, you know, let's say you're not going to get the whole season played. Surely we're not going to get the whole season played. So you play, you play 15 SEC games. Let's say you go 10 and five. Okay. Well, then you're 10 and 10. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Or 11 and 10. Yeah. Uh, uh, 11 and you 11. You're SEC tournament at that point. Right. So, we're close. I mean, they lose to Louisville on Saturday, and I think it's like official. Like it's officially a lost season at that point. I think Cal knows that, and and I think he also knows that to some extent, people are going to say like this is the weird pandemic year. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody gets a little bit of a pass, certainly when you're got a national title as Cal Perry does. Um, and what is it? You know, okay, how do we start to reboot this program for the next iteration? I think he also knows now things have to change. Like he knows he's got to have some continuity. He's got to have guys stay. He's got to have some non prima donnas. He's got to have some shooters for God's sake, like embrace the, the, like, like Mark Stoops had to really hit rock bottom to to embrace the forward pass again. Uh, You know, it was like, well, he was winning though. It was, he was winning by running the ball all the time. How are you going to, how are you going to fire Eddie Graham when you go, when you win 18 games in two years? Well, when it bottoms out and you, and you have a losing record, then you finally go, well, maybe we do need to forward pass. You know, when Cal's method is getting them, you know, to final fours and championship games. And and then even in this, this quote unquote drought, they're like a shot away in two elite eights in the last four years from going mm-hmm. to the final four again. Like he, in his mind, 2017 Carolina, 2019 Auburn elite eight games. Like those teams could have won the national title in his mind. So if he's thinking that way, then there's nothing wrong with his model. Right. Right. Except that. Why did you lose? You didn't have enough shooting, you, you know, what, you, whatever. Uh, and so and that is now, my, my last question actually is that, so let me finish the setup to it. So I am in general, a very optimistic Kentucky fan, especially, and I don't know how often you get to converse like actual conversation with a, the average Joe fan, because I'm sure you get the worst of the worst, you know, yelling at you on Twitter about fire Cal and all this stupid stuff that, that people say, um, because obviously that's ridiculous. But I think as the average person who supports Cal, my one thing, if I could change one thing, I have one complaint to like, you know, have someone scream at him would it's four words jamal baker johnny juzing like how do we keep those guys and i mean dante allen he said today yeah we're gonna let him shoot like let me see it because i i don't really believe it right now um but we need that so badly yeah so i mean kind of you my answer is kind of what you said like all rolled into one i have a story coming out on the athletic tomorrow Hmm. about um you know there's a there's a couple things. One is like, it, it's a complicated answer because it, you have to under, you have to, you have to examine, does Cal value shooting? Uh, does he value it in recruiting as he evaluates prospects? And does he value it in his usage of players? Because he lets the, the raw athlete who he thinks can blow up into an NBA lottery pick, the runner and jumper. Uh, he lets that guy play through all his mistakes. Mm-hmm. The shooter, who might be a limited, limited athletically, who might be limited defensively, does not get to play through mistakes, um, and that is just a fact. Cal can say it's not true, but it is a fact. I mean, it's the reason Johnny Juzang didn't play. It's the reason that, that Jamal Baker didn't play. Uh, Derek Willis. It's the reason Derek Willis didn't play until he like absolutely had to. Um, 
because look, they all have, they're all the same guy. Like they all can, if you give them time and rhythm and a, and a stretch of games to get going, they're making shots. Now, are they going to give up 28 points defensively? Yeah, probably, but you know, but the, but the replacement player is going to give up. You don't, you don't, to me, like you don't just look at it as the, like, well, he gave up 20. Well, the replacement player might give up 13, but only score eight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Derek Willis might give up 20 and score 18. And that's a net, that's a net positive. So, I mean, that, that's an issue. And then the other thing is the thing that I, I wrote about for tomorrow is like, the answer to me is recruit guys in your state mm-hmm. and let them play. Because there's a bunch of guys in college basketball right now from the state of Kentucky who either are competent point guard, Tavian Hollingsworth, a guy you, you think they could use that guy right now, a 109 game starter at point guard. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, just, you know, yeah, that's one. You know, he was at uh, he was at Belmont. He's a Kentucky kid who was at Belmont and was a really good three point shooter. But like, whatever, a guy goes to Belmont. <laughs> I don't think you don't say like Kentucky whiffed on him, but with, sure. but, then was, but then he was on the transfer market and Kentucky right. looked at him and passed. And then he scores twenty two against Marquette and hits the, the step back deep game de- you know game winning three pointer uh, for Xavier yesterday uh, or two days ago. Um, but then like Justin Powell is mm-hmm. is is killing it at Auburn as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Um, you know like like. Uh, who, who's not only a shooter, like over 50% threes for the season, but, you know, in a pinch, he's played point guard and been great. He's averaging like five assists a game as a true freshman point guard. Um, you know, all those, uh, you know, Kiki Tandy mm-hmm. uh, is a guy who wanted to go to Kentucky. Um, you know, you just go on and on. There, there, there's a kid at, at Iowa right now um, who's shooting, you know, 43% from three. Uh, for top five team in the country, and he's from Kentucky. Um, so I, to me, when you recruit, if you're going to recruit like non five stars who are in your mind are like, I'm going to go get a role player who can make shots, right? Like that's what you had in mind when you took Jamal Baker, who's like ranked in the bottom of the top 100. That's what what you had in mind when you took Johnny Juzang. Um, that's what you had in mind when you took Charles Matthews. You know. When you took uh, Kyle Wilcher, Michael Mulder, that's what you had in mind when you took those guys. But you took them like you know, like two of those guys are from California, and Wilcher's from Portland, and you know, guys are from, you know from Philadelphia and Chicago. Well, they're gonna when when things aren't going good, and they and they haven't played a lot yet, and they're from far away. What are they gonna do? They're gonna go home. But it, but if that same guy is Derek Willis. Uh, if that same guy is Dominique Hawkins, who grew up like with his whole wall wallpapered in Kentucky stuff, if that guy is is uh, Darius Miller, mm. um, then they wait patiently. You 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 suffer through Billy Gillespie and stay around. Um, maybe I mean maybe, maybe. not always. <laughs> right. like Dante Allen might transfer <laughs> because he's not getting any run. But like I think you I think you take Kentucky kids and you give them a, you know you give them a shot, especially if they have a skill. Um, and so I think that's one part of that answer is like, take, there's dudes in Kentucky who can shoot the basketball and know how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, I talked to Tavion Hollingsworth's high school coach and he said like, one of the problems right now is, you know, Kentucky's taking these, these guys who are elite athletes, uh, who are going to be pros, but don't remotely know how to play basketball. 
uh, and, and you've got a bunch of guys that you can watch them play in high school and know they know basketball. Like they know how to play the game. They don't. They're not just running up and down in AAU games. Um, mm. And take a couple of those guys. <laughs> take a couple guys that even as freshmen know how to play basketball. He said it's like when you go. What Kentucky's doing right now is when like the young fit guys go to the YMCA and they play the old guys who've been playing together for years. <laughs> you know, in their league, like they're going to yeah. old man you. They're going to beat you up. They're going to trick you a few times a game. They're going to communicate and they're going to beat your ass. Like you know, like that's what Kentucky's up against right now. And like never more glaring than in pandemic year where right. the young teams are all struggling and the old teams are all winning big. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you nailed it. And I, I'm sad that, uh, the seeing the success of Hawkins and Willis didn't, uh, kind of fix this issue, you know, before it got this bad, but, uh, surely this will, if not, then I don't know what we do. So, uh, hate to end on a bummer but there's really no way to end on a positive right now with kentucky sports or at least with kentucky basketball uh, i am looking forward to the gator bowl and, and uh glad we got that matchup but uh kyle thanks so much for joining us i really appreciate it uh where can people uh find your work uh, i'm at the athletic uh the website or the app and you can find me on twitter at kyle tucker underscore ath perfect everybody thanks for listening and we'll see you next time Brought to you by Magiano Productions.